So, sometimes I fantasize about what I would say if I got the chance to speak at Parliament or something, or if I got the chance to uh, to uh, talk to Justin Trudeau or give a speech somewhere where I knew lots of people were listening, what would I say? Um, I think I would I would try to be as honest as possible because I think a lot of what prevents us from moving forward is people trying to um, people trying to make a point in a way that's not necessarily dishonest, but it's less honest than it could be. And what I mean by that is that they maybe they don't um, recognize or acknowledge their personal feelings and struggles and their they kind of change their own personal feelings and how they communicate them in order to change the message they're sending because they think that the message will be more powerful if they change it. But I think that's not really true. I think the most powerful message is the most honest one. Um, so I would be very honest. I would tell them that I'm scared and that I don't know what to do. But I would also tell them what I do know and what I'm learning, which is well, that's a long story, which is the world is by some vantage points, it looks like the world's dying. You know, deserts are growing, forests are shrinking. Species are going extinct, and and people are kind of kind of the cause. the The human species is is treating nature as something to be harvested and controlled. And that is causing this overall pattern of death, really. And for some reason, people have latched on to the idea that fossil fuels and carbon emissions are the most important thing to focus on. And and if I was talking to politicians, I mean... 
even if they were the most important thing to focus on, the politicians aren't really doing a good enough job at that. Um, you know, pipelines are still being built. And if we recognize the science that many politicians do recognize, they would recognize that building that pipeline assumes that we will not reach our carbon emissions targets that they themselves have set. So it's kind of a weird, hypocritical thing to set targets for emissions reductions and then, or set targets for limiting the temperature rise of the, of the planet and then to build a pipeline that would assume that enough fossil fuels will be burnt to raise the temperature above your target. Anyway, it's a weird little thing. Well, it's not that little. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, I'm talking about that, and I'm... I have to remember that I'm actually not talking to politicians right now. I'm just sitting alone in my apartment. Thinking about the world and what needs to happen, but really... I'm... I'm just in my apartment holding a microphone by myself. And what what good does it do for me to fantasize about talking to politicians? Maybe it would be good if that opportunity came up and maybe I would have practice because of all these fantasies, but that opportunity probably won't come up. So what am I doing here? I'd planned to talk for 20 minutes about what I would say to the politicians, but now, now I'm just questioning what I'm doing. Why am I talking? And that maybe that's what I mean by honesty is, is that question why you're saying what you're saying and notice what's really important and where you are. I'm in my room. I'm comfy. I'm well-fed. I just had a hot shower, which probably isn't good for the environment. There's no plants in sight. I don't have a patch of ground outside where I could plant things to try to increase the amount of life on Earth. I don't... I don't know what to do. So all I can do is fantasize about telling other people what to do. Because other people have opportunities, right? I don't have opportunities. <laughs> At least that's the story I'm telling. 
Maybe that's not the right story to tell. The story that other people have to fix this. If I were other people, I would be able to fix this because other people have power and I don't. Maybe that's the wrong story. Maybe those other people who we think have power don't have the power. Or maybe if they do have the power, then power comes with expectations. Power comes with people expecting you to to um, cater to their needs. Power comes with responsibility and knowledge. And maybe if I had that power, I also wouldn't be able to do what I believe from this vantage point is the right thing. Maybe if I had the power, I would be able to talk to energy experts and they would be able to tell me that if we didn't build this pipeline we would be in for an economic crisis or something and and maybe I would still try to build that pipeline and maybe all the the influences that people in power are under will cause them to do what what they do and I don't really know anything <laughs> oh. yeah so what do I do here in this apartment well, I'm choosing to practice talking. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it seems like I have ideas in my head, and maybe it'd be better if, if I could communicate, communicate them to people. And it seems like I have ideas about honesty and truth that require a certain level of skill in talking because I don't want to have to prepare speeches. Not that I'm going to be giving speeches. I don't want to have to prepare the things that I talk about. Because when you're in a conversation with someone and you can... What would, what would that be like if you're in a conversation with someone and they decided that they had prepared a speech and that they were going to recite it to you one-on-one? -on -one? you'd feel disrespected. Anyway, so the ideas I have in my head, I mean, they're not my ideas. They're ideas I've been learning. It'd be good if I could communicate them in an honest way, which requires improvisation in the moment, and that's what I'm doing, as you can see. I started recording thinking that I would tell you all about my plain speech for parliament but now I'm just improvising and I'm but maybe maybe this is less effective than my planned speech would have been in the moment but maybe in the long term 
this improvising will lead somewhere that will actually be effective. I'm reminded of Charles Eisenstein's story of the man lost in a maze. The man was lost in a maze and it was getting warmer in this maze and he knew that he wouldn't be able to survive too much longer if he stayed, so he had to find his way out. So he started running, running as fast as he could. Turning left and right and right and left and always ending up back at the center of the maze. And the voice told him to slow down, to just stop. But then another voice told him, no, you have to keep running. You have to get out quick, and the only way you're going to get out quick is by running. So you keep running, and he kept running, and then he kept finding his way back to the center of the maze. And then he had to stop, because he was too exhausted. And then he had to... Well, he had some despair, because he was like, I'm never going to get out of this maze. I don't know what to do. I've been running all this time and getting nowhere. And then he slowed down, and he, he kind of realized, well, if I'm going to be in this maze, maybe I should enjoy it. Maybe I should walk around slowly and see what's see what's going on, and... Smell the roses, if you will. And he's, he started to notice things. Tiny little passages that he hadn't noticed before because he was running too fast. Maybe he noticed that he'd been to some places a couple times and he noticed that last time he was here, he turned right. And the time before that he was here, he also turned right some kind of pattern that he had where he turned right at this moment and so he said, oh, what happens if I turn left? And then as he was slowing down and, and paying attention, he noticed a sound. A sound coming from far away. And he thought maybe this came from the land outside of the maze, the land where he longed to return to, the land that he'd forgotten about but he knew existed, or he'd forgotten the details about the land but he knew that it existed. So he he listened to the song and sometimes when he doesn't didn't know where to go because you know he's been following these un these passages that he hadn't seen before these small little holes in the walls of the maze and he's been turning left when normally he'd been turning right and he's now he's in new territory and and but so now he doesn't know which way to go left or right up or down maybe even <laughs> but then when that happens he can listen to the song that sound coming from the land sound coming from the land and then he'll know where to go because he can sense which direction that sound is coming from so he kept going slowly because he, if he went too fast he would 
make too much noise so he couldn't hear the song. And he was in really new territory, and sometimes it would seem like he was going backwards. But he had no other choice but to follow the song because he'd tried running and he knew that that wasn't going to work. So even when the song seemed to lead him backwards, he still went there. And eventually he did find his way out of the maze. And he saw what the sound was. And it was his lover who had been singing to him the whole time. And so now, here I am in my room, in my maze, trapped in here, not knowing what to do. I've done a little bit of running. Hadn't really gotten anywhere. I gave up on that pretty quick. <laughs> Seemed like I was running nowhere, on a treadmill even. And now I'm slowing down and listening to the sound that comes from the land. And I like that phrase. I kind of said it earlier by accident, but I like that. Listening to the sound that comes from the land. Because really what, what this is about is the land, the earth. How, how it's a living being and has a spirit and it, it knows what it needs. We just don't know how to listen and we think that we can impose control over the land in order to get what we need. But really, the best way to get what we need is to give the land what it needs. The land will be able to provide if it is healthy. If the soil is healthy, if the rains come. If the trees are healthy. If the animals are healthy, there will be, there will be food. There will be shelter if everything heals so the, listen to the sound that comes from the land listen for what the land wants and realize that you don't know I don't know when I first came across the idea that we had to restore land I I went out into the valley close by and noticed that the land was pretty destroyed, even though it was parkland. There were trees everywhere. The, the soil was not good quality, and there were no plants on the ground. Or sometimes there were, but only in small patches where people hadn't um, gone. Places where the land is hard to get to on foot. And there were lots of ferns and plants, small plants on the ground, and that's where the squirrels and the chipmunks are living. And 
It looked very green and beautiful, but most of the land was kind of gray, exposed dirt and tree roots, and it didn't seem very healthy. So I was like, what can I do here? And I started to um, to try to do something, gorilla style. I removed some invasive species or species that I thought were invasive. Later, I came across the idea that invasive species aren't necessarily bad. They might actually be what the ecosystem wants in order to restore itself. Because you have to remember that these beings we call ecosystems are alive and they may call in species that haven't been there before because the ecosystem needs something in these hard times in order to be healthy maybe this the ecosystem needs a bunch of weeds for a little while in order to restore the soil who knows And I tried to make it so that people wouldn't trample on the dirt as much by making a path and hoping that people would stay on the path, but that didn't work. People destroyed the path. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what to do. Maybe I should keep going to that land and just listen. Not really do much. Slow down and listen for the song that comes from the land. I don't know. But we're here on Earth trying our best. And we will continue. <laughs>